Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before. He's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. That's me. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign. This is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. Joining me today, a powerhouse comedian, the host of the Truth and Eliza podcast, and the author of a just-released book, Girl Logic, The Genius and the Absurdity. Hello and welcome, Eliza Schlesinger. Hi. I promised myself I was not going to stumble over your last name. And I promised myself I wasn't going to discuss my last name when you brought it up because everyone does. <laughs> is that a prickly it just, start? It just gets in your in your head. Yeah, uh, Ma- I always. Maz Jabrani is the guy that I'm always like. I'm going to get it. I know it. I know his name. Oh, it's so easy. I'm just going to say it. I'd say, it there's, there's no issue in my brain. Why should it not just transmit to my mouth properly? It's just one giant name, Maz Jabrani. It's just one. It sounds like one giant name. One time, our producer on the other show that I'm on called him off mic, and it was a total. Accident, uh, Maz Jabroni. Yeah. And it was just fucking in there. Uh, it happens. Uh, yeah. Not everybody is culturally sensitive. No. Uh, That's pretty it's, much what it's about. I tell hosts when someone's going to bring me up, I say, just say Eliza. Yeah. Because I don't need, the worst is when they get up, they're like, shussing, oh my God, oh, sorry. I'm like, you're just eating into the time. No one paid to see you stutter. I hear that. So well, luckily you um you, you did it though. I did. I you did. nailed it. And then I and then I made it worse by drawing this extended attention to it. You that's our time, folks. Perfect. Yeah, it's been a great show. Don't forget to pick up the book. Everybody available now. You do. Uh, fortunately for this uh, internet social media age, have a very distinctive first name, which allows you to have just Eliza dot com at Eliza. I grabbed it. That's great. Good for you. Um, I got at Tully, but it it cost me a pretty penny. What are, I bet that coffee house came after you, huh? Yeah, do you know what it is? Nobody talks about that coffee house in America. It's a very big in Japan. It is. Oh, really? An almost daily occurrence that young Japanese women are having oh. like coffee friend <laughs> dates that I get tagged on. That's funny. So, That's really funny. It's uh, I have random. My name, Ilyza. Apparently, there's some sort of Russian bone-setting medical device called an Elizarov. Mm-hmm. So you see that a lot. People like resetting their leg bones, and I'm like, "That's me." <laughs> <laughs> hey, I man, I'm just just happy to be mentioned. That's yeah. all. So. As someone who has written a couple of books, I know a little bit of what I speak. Congratulations on completing the book, and I hope you are enjoying this your victory tour. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying being done. Um, I finished it. You know, it's the gap between finishing it, mm-hmm. like handing in the last manuscript, and then there's edits and everything. But even having the final manuscript go to the publisher, between that and it coming out, it's so long. Uh, I don't even know if I believe some of the things that I wrote. Isn't that no, funny? No, I can't admit that. Uh, but you start writing it. I started writing it over a year ago. I started pitching it, you know, two years ago. And I was like single dating and now I'm engaged and I'll be married in May. So it's definitely been a spectrum of singularity and coupledom. Do you find that there are anything? Because, okay, the last book that I worked on was with a vegan pro wrestler. So it's not the most like topical thing in right. the world, and yet there were so many things that between us locking the manuscript and printing it, I was like, wow, in a post-Trump world, we probably wouldn't 
Yeah. You know, because you talk about, hey, you know, people are like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, everything that I kind of thought sure. I knew about people, a lot of that went out the window. It's it seems changing. so insane. Well, and actually, it's not insane with a book called Girl Logic that in a <laughs> post Trump world, you might wish you had phrased things, a couple things a little bit different. Uh, this one's okay. Uh, and I had a chance, I did the Audible recording a couple weeks ago, and I had a chance to take out if something felt weird or something. Uh, I stand by everything. You know, I was joking about not believing it. Um, and. You know, I think we need to give people a break. We expect everybody to be so perfect, so PC. By the way, there's nothing un-PC in this book. Um, but we, women in particular, need to give other women a break. Oh, I said one thing that offended your fifis? Like, relax. This expectation, and this I talk about this book, of perfection out of everyone when no one is doing anything the right way 100% of the time is mind-numbing, and it's crippling, and it's antithetical to evolving as a human. You know, if you're... We've created this society of fear where everyone's afraid to talk about stuff. So this book is me saying, honestly, I'm so tired of women being labeled as crazy. Here's why we are the way we are. Here's one woman's story of how she deals with it. And it's mine. Do you feel like, because I guess from my misogynistic patriarchal worldview, which is that's obviously- you. That's just how I'm That living. was in your bio. <laughs> that's just how I roll. I assume that the first line of the book is um, what women aren't crazy- I assumed that you meant that men say that about women, but the more I thought about it, like, who is the bigger adversary, if there is an adversary, men or your fellow women? Totally fair question, and I think it's both. I do think, and of course, you know, being a woman saying this, I'll probably get crucified for it. I do think the inability, um, in some respects, for women to come together and not tear each other down, Abraham Lincoln said, a house divided cannot stand, and I think that's a huge part of it. And you need, there are plenty of terrible men out there, but you can't do these broad strokes of men or pigs, which has never been my agenda. You need men. You need good men on your side, the ones that we marry, the ones that we love, that we date, our fathers, the ones that we work with, to be on our side, to keep that conversation moving on your behalf when you're not there and with you. Feminism doesn't work without men. Otherwise, it's just women yelling at each other about not having enough rights. There's a lot of yelling at each other. I think I've started a question, and I think a lot of people are starting to have the same question about the extent to which the way that we dialogue on the internet or social media actually reflects the actual, like you have, um, you might have massive problems with say political differences with somebody you encounter online. The way that that plays out would play out very differently Probably, hopefully, if that person was your next door neighbor, they wouldn't and you go and you go. Ah, my piece neighbor. Yeah, she's a piece of shit. But you know, we're cool. It's no we're big. Cool. It's, it's He's no big racist, deal. He's racist, but he helps me with my car. Also, you know, I've definitely run into the full force of hashtag Make America Great Again, um, and it doesn't exist on the other platform. Like on Twitter, everyone's coming down on you. Switch over to Instagram. No one says anything. No, nobody's making a goddamn thing great. Nobody. Over there. Cr- it doesn't cross over. And then in person, I. Had an issue recently where people got mad because I said something about women in an article. I saw and something about that. It was, you know, I my whole career is a love letter to women, and I said in one article, uh, I think that, you know, as a woman who's always out, as a comic who's out every night, I wish that more young women would rely less on hacky, dirty jokes because we're so smart we can do so much better, and the time has sort of passed for that. And I got people lost it because what? I hurt someone's feelings. But the point is... I remember one woman in particular was a piece of shit to me on Twitter, and I ran into her the other night, and I don't think she knows that I know who she is, and I just kind of looked at her, and she smiled. She was like, so what are you up to? And I was this close to being like, oh, you don't want to say it to my face? Oh, now, now you're, you're nice. 
And I thought it's a losing battle. May better to leave that experience being kind to her, so she feels like an even bigger piece of shit, than to attack her on the street months later. There are a lot of I'm I'm out there dabbling in comedy, as you heard from my illustrious intro to the show. I'm a big hit. Um, <laughs> there there are a number of women just in this town alone running around with you know my vagina's a dumpster is kind of is kind of the act. Yeah, and you know what? Whatever. At this point, I'm like whatever works for you. Uh, comedy. If your vagina truly is a dumpster and that is your authentic take, yeah. <laughs> then more power to you. My point is, I think, and it's not about regulating. People went to that. They're like, don't regulate what I can say. We love to talk about policing. I'm like, I'm not. Do you see me writing a ticket? I was just saying, I bet you can do better. Well, right, 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 <laughs> Men right. and women. And that's the other thing is, is, is draw a distinction between me offering my opinion on what I perceive yes. to be your from, reality. From years of data. This yeah, yeah, isn't yeah. like I walked into a club once. This is right. over 10 years of me seeing this. Well, but even if I'm wrong, like if I'm watching a sports game, I'm like, oh, that manager's an idiot. They ought to fire that guy. Like, right. I could be a fucking moron. That guy could be a genius and I could be totally missing it. Whatever. I'm still allowed to yell at my TV. I am not regulating my team. No regulating. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I think as women, we're sensitive to that. But I also think, you know, the other side of that is the fallout from society of the constant beratement of women, the constantly being told. I think people got a little prickly because as women and as people now, you're constantly being told why you're wrong, what you're doing wrong. And as women, we're very sensitive to your body is wrong. Your thoughts are wrong. Your face is wrong. Fix that. You're too heavy, you know. And it's a constant um, barrage of that input. And you can't help when people snap. <laughs> See, I hear this from you're not the first woman that I've spoken to or even interviewed on this show that's kind of raised a similar point. I don't exist in a world of men. I don't, uh, you know, um, I don't live in the locker room that our president mentioned where certain kinds of talk are acceptable. Like, what is it really so challenging? Is it really so toxic to be a woman in this world? Because I'm not saying it's not really, but I don't. I'm saying I really totally fair. And by the way. The way you're asking that, I think, is so productive versus like, no, you're just a dumb girl. Like, there's, I think, having a dialogue, like, I have no defenses up right now. Like, it's so nice to just converse about it. No. And by the way, people will be like, you're a white privileged woman. What's your problem? I get it. Mm-hmm. Super privileged. Not afraid of the police. I totally get it. Well, here's what I'm sorry to interrupt you. Here's the way democracy works. I tell you my truth, and you tell me mine, and 300 million people all speak their truth, and we try to find something that works and for And none of us everybody. get the guy we voted for. <laughs> exactly. So um, all you can do is be authentic to your experience. All I can do is tell you my experience. Yeah, right. uh, no, it's not about being a woman being toxic. It's more, and this is all sort of definitely covered in the book, the input that we're constantly getting, it's different than what men get. It's from... Your friends, it's from TV, it's from media, just letting you know that whatever you are is not right, but there is a product out there for you if you want to fix that, if you want to get like them. And we have to process that. And this isn't, oh, you're having to process everyone's expectations of you. This is other women's expectations. You better be a girl's girl. You got to look a certain way. You better own your body. It's men's expectations. I want you to be a whore. I want you to be a slut. I want you to be a mother. I want you to be demure. Stand up for yourself, but don't do it too much. And it isn't so, and it's not, you can't just say, fuck it, I don't care what anyone thinks. Because when you're a woman, what someone thinks of you can by and large dictate your fate. Someone thinks you're slutty, therefore it's okay to harass you or hurt you. Someone thinks you're a bitch, therefore you get called that and maybe you don't get that promotion. Now, of course, you can just live your truth, but we are not, we are susceptible to this constant barrage, like I said, of these cues from people. So the book, so Girl Logic is all about how we process all that and how we navigate 
through it, having to factor in past, present, and future in micro decisions, minute to minute, every day. Okay, so you kind of answered the question, but I'd like to ask you to uh, expand upon the question I wanted to really start with, with, which is, what is girl logic? Eliza, what is the genius and what is the absurdity? So it's the genius and the absurdity. It's absurdity because it sounds insane, the way that we have to factor in things. And the, the best, most basic example I give, someone says, you know, the age-old thing is always like, well, my wife and I argue about where to eat. You know, no one ever knows where to eat. As women, we can't blurt out pizza because, and yes, you can sometimes. It's not about the pizza. It's about factoring in, did I eat healthy today? Am I working out tomorrow? Do I have to wear a bathing suit later? Am I going somewhere later? Am I not eating wheat right now? Do I feel gross? A lot of it revolves around feeling gross. And when you verbalize it, it sounds insane. It's like, oh, just pick something. And sometimes you do out of exhaustion. And so it's about having to factor in all those things Knowing the last time you ate pizza, you got a little bloated, you didn't feel well, maybe next time you shouldn't. You said you weren't going to eat cheese anymore. What about that? And to men, it sounds insane. Uh, And on a greater level, you know, it's perception at work or safety or questions about sexuality, anything like that. But we're constantly having to figure out what makes us happy and what also balances in uh, other people's perception. Do you feel like, and again, you can't speak for, you are not every woman, but um, uh, unlike Whitney Houston, but in Chaka Khan before her, come to think of it, but can... They were both still just one woman, even that sounds weird. It's weird, and they were every, they were all women, which Kind is, of all women are, we're so multifaceted. It's a little bit like the Christian trilogy, if you really, really think, or the Trinity, rather, if you think about it. <laughs> um, do I was you, like, what trilogy? Like a Lord of the Rings Christian trilogy? <laughs> that sounds amazing. What, like, do I find it hard to believe that most women do actually feel that amount of pressure deciding where to go but for that's dinner. the thing i'm married to a lady who definitely does not consider any of those things or many um of them. i think it's a micro process mm-hmm. you know and there's also the fantasy and i talk about this in the book as well the fantasy of i was kind of you know like we all envision what we're going to look like at this dinner or on this vacation or at this place and oh i want it to have candles i want it, I want it to be moroccan i want to have tapas you know we have a we always have in our heads what in our heads what the date's going to be like what the relationship's going to be like what this new venture is going to be like and we have that expectation and rarely does reality meet that expectation because you live in a fantasy because of all the fantasies that we've been inundated with as women so it's really just processing all this and your wife may not do that for food she might do it in a small way but she definitely does it for getting dressed or something about her career you know so it's not to minimize the experience, like, mm, girls don't know how to eat. But you're always having to factor in these things. And it sounds crazy, but it's a survival uh, method that we've sort of evolved with, adapted and evolved with. When do you think that you realized that this was, like, something that was upon you? You obviously didn't feel this way when you were eight years old. No, and, you know, this is just sort of my comedic take on it, just sort of honoring and explaining this because I— I grow so tired of like, oh, girls are crazy. And it's like, do you ever stop and think that we're crazy for a reason? Right. Or that we've, we're just trying to cope with all these expectations. In my first Netflix special, I talked a lot about girls and our habits. That was war paint. And then in the second one, Freezing Hot, I delved more into girl behavior. And in Confirmed Kills, I kind of approached it as a woman standing up for women, not just making fun of, but explaining it. And so I sort of encapsulated all those ideas and that evolution into this book. Um, I also didn't think I'd accomplished enough to write an autobiography, so I had to do something a little bit more like a thesis, <laughs> like a college essay. I think this is the way that you you lead. 
Yeah. You, you start with the, the you, I mean, you haven't done what many people, I, I love the time-honored thing because I used to read a lot of these books when I was a kid, not realizing what they are, which was like, I'd read like a David Brenner book, which is, uh-huh. he, somebody just paid him money to type out his act. Yes. Yeah. And, and <laughs> you know was, funny that was, about that? That was a genre for a while. There's, um, so it, there's that, and I definitely didn't want anyone to read this and think that I wasn't passionate about it or serious about these stories like they're Mm -hmm. definitely I worked to get this book deal there was no like here's that billion dollars like we went I fired people like we went through it to get to this place oh that's interesting oh yeah like this was definitely something that I molded and kind of created like it was it was there I just had to chip away at it um I forgot what I was gonna say about that but it's definitely a a labor of love I assumed that because usually somebody would be at pretty much exactly the point where you are in your career where an agent or a manager, or I don't know what the difference is, would say to you, you could probably get a book deal. Why don't you start thinking about some ideas? Nope. Like everything in my career, it is all uh, self-producing. I say, I want to do this, and then they go out and they help me get a company. Um, and we pitched it to Wine Scene, which was just fine at the time. Mm-hmm. I uh, wasn't even going to bring that up. It's fine. I didn't do anything wrong. It's on the spine of, of the book. When this happened, which the Weinstein uh, revealing a couple weeks ago, the book had already gone to print. It was already basically printed. Yep. There's nothing I could do, so I wrote mm-hmm. a statement. Which I saw, yeah. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Anyone that has any questions or faults beyond that is an idiot. And uh, Of course. <laughs> nothing I can do about it. But there are people out there who I knew would be like, you're such a bad woman. How could you be? How could you do this with Harvey Weinstein? I don't know the guy. Mm-hmm. And he's a piece of shit. Right. Seems that And way, now yeah. the book is pr- printed by Hachette Book Company, and no one will, we don't speak of the dead anymore. Yeah, right. Well, wait, isn't it great, though, when somebody says something that's actually that ill-informed? Because I love- No one has, but I just anticipate someone will. You seem like you have your defenses up a lot. For sure. What's up with that? I think part of that is living a life and being a strong woman, you know, you hear a lot of things over and over. You hear, oh, you're- you seem defensive, you know, you seem this, you seem that. So part of it, and I talk about it in the book, is anticipating, being a comic too, anticipating what someone's going to say because you never want to be caught off guard. And the more I evolve as a woman, the more I realize, like, is it the worst thing if you're caught off guard once in a while, you know, because it is exhausting. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea that I wouldn't always have the answer is a scary thing, especially when it's your job to have the answer uh, or at least to be able to analyze it. Right. Um, I kind of go on the defense or rather on the offense I guess I don't know because you've seen it before and I think that's why like I'm not pulling these examples out of thin air of course you're not um I do have uh, there's a couple of passages really early in the book that grabbed me and thank you um, for reading it by the way I, w- I really honestly wish I could it. tell you that yeah I'd read the entire totally thing um, but um these could easily be mistaken for uh, criticisms. I just look at them as uh, opportunities for a uh, healthy and enlightening dialogue. Is it about the punctuation or the grammar? No, okay. fuck no. <laughs> no, no, no. People who, who criticize mine when I do it, fuck no, I'm going to have to criticize the copywriter who did not go over that with a fine-tooth comb. I get, people argue with me about Oxford commas. It's really ridiculous. Oh, which, which, which are you? I, I use the Oxford comma. I don't use the final comma. Because that's the way you talk. I'm going to have. I'm going to the store to buy eggs, bread, and milk. You put- I don't go to the store to buy eggs, bread, and milk. Well, see, I don't use it. It is a little. Jank- I gotta go. It is a little janky looking in in there, but so are a lot of things. I mean, it's like. Do you let me? Do you say bruschetta or bruschetta? It's bruschetta. See, I know it's bruschetta, 
but I feel like an asshole. So I just say bruschetta. I'd rather on mm-hmm. that one. I'm like I'd rather just look dumb. Probably depends on where. If I'm back in New Jersey, where I'm from, I, Fair might, I might say a bruschetta. That's different because I'm already surrounded by people who insist that the proper pronunciation is like mozzarella and prosciutto. Are you Italian? Well, no, for I'm Italians, not. you it's, would think back east you would say bruschetta. Right. No, I, I will actually. Bruschetta. It was a big break from my family, I believe, culturally. Is maybe their first clue that I wasn't exactly one of them. That I was the black sheep, and I was like. Guys, I'm. I choose to say mozzarella. Hey, buddies, I'm going to say mozzarella <laughs> sticks. That's the way. This is. That's the way that this is going to be. I found out why we say that. It's boring, but it's it's true. Go on. People from. So here's what happened. You're a word person. You might appreciate this. Ah. People came over from Italy who really did say because Italy only became a country in like the late 1800s, uh-huh. and until then you wouldn't even call them dialects. They were different languages. Mm-hmm. Like Sicilian was actually a different language than Naples or what have uh-huh. you. A bunch of people. Came out of there, settled around New Jersey. After they got here, Italy confederated, and they forced one form of the Italian language, which was the language that Dante had written in, on everybody. So from that point forward, any kid educated would all say mozzarella with an Italian accent. But the people in New Jersey aren't wrong, because the old Italians who had handed down mozzarella, that really is the way their ancestors said it in the old country. Interesting. I didn't know that. And Mortadelle... And pursuit and <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah, yeah I always yeah. thought it was like an affectation, like it was so sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Because what, what are you from? Are you from Kinnett? I am from Dallas, Texas. Oh, right, right. I don't know why I, I am a Jew from person. Dallas, Texas. Are there Everybody a lot of those? There's a bunch. Oh, really? Yeah, nobody knows that. How'd that happen? Just got it. Just uh, I think for real estate, I think just it was called um, an immigration. People moving to Texas from other states. And that happened in the 80s, and my parents were part of it. Okay, that's cool. I'm sure there's worse places to grow up. That was good. Okay, so third paragraph, chapter, I'm sorry, uh, page four. Women, um, we're, expected to be continually kind to our fellow women, caring towards children, respectful of the elderly, supportive of our coworkers, while simultaneously making every dude around us super horny. Oh, and we should always stand up for ourselves while also being likable. I feel the same pressure as a human being to be all of these things. Right. So I'm writing again from my perspective and my truth. And if I can't speak on behalf of someone or Mm -hmm. something that I'm not Mm -hmm. with any, uh, I guess, temerity. Is that the word? I don't know. Uh, I can't speak on. I have to look it up. I'm pretty sure that's right. So that's it. It's all about. Sorry, I'm going to sit here while I do no, this. No, 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 no. I can, I can talk while you type. I'm pretty um, sure it is temerity. I, th- I bet you're right. So you really like words. I love words. I get the word of the day. And uh, you like writing and all that. You really wanted to write a book. Yes. Because this is a oh. real easy cash-in. Like, that wasn't you, the word. Whoops, you just know you get to a certain level and somebody's like, here's 100 grand. You can just go type some stuff. No, it yeah. really was a battle. You know, people think they see you on TV and they think, oh, you can just, you know, do whatever. But, like, it's definitely not the case. They're so much material out there so much noise and you got to carve out your own little space so I definitely fought to get this book that passage passage sounds like a like a bible the passage that you just read um I think I definitely think men have to deal with it in their own way but again this goes back to the repercussions for women in particular when you are seen a certain way or perceived a certain way you know, down to, I was sitting with a group of women the other day, and this girl walked by, and someone goes, she seems slutty. Seems very quickly becomes is. Okay. Is translates to, let's shut her out, let's be mean. Like, it, it just, it, it can spiral. And it's Why not always. Why do girls always. like sluts? 
Why do girls like sluts? Why don't girls like sluts? Oh, that's an easy answer. I was talking to a girl about this the other day, and I asked her, like, why is that, you know, that's a bad yeah. word. So if you're slutty, so here's the logic, I think, behind it for girls uh, condemning that. If you're slutty, it means what? It means what? It means you're easy. You have sex with lots of guys. And what does having sex with lots of guys mean? I, I don't know. Is there a next step to we that? We have, uh, besides being sore, we have an issue in America, I can only speak because I'm an American, with women owning their own bodies and exploring their own sexuality. Mm-hmm. I can't say I'm the most sexual person. Historically, it's not been looked upon kindly when women, God forbid, want to have an orgasm or want to have sex with more than one person because then you're dirty. Right. They made it a bad thing that you would ever sleep with more than one person, that you would know your own body, that you would have ownership over that. Slutty also translates to she's going to be getting attention from men and I won't be. And it comes down to jealousy. I see. I agree with that. Yeah. Right. Because I don't think people really care all that much about people. Uh, people change, but they don't. But they do. But they don't. Just when you think we live in a whole different world, Donald Trump gets elected president. You realize maybe not all that much has mm-hmm. really changed. But like, I do really like believe. I don't think that the mainstream American female thinks it's a bad thing to like orgasms or 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 subscribe. No, not to like it to. Or- Pursue them. To pursue them or subscribe to the worldview that men are just going around, are, are going to run around and try to stick their dick in everything that they possibly can. Well, they probably do believe that part, but therefore I must protect my chastity at all times and shun everybody who doesn't. I don't really think the the average American woman is quite that backward. No, it's not about being backward and I'm not trying to, I hope I'm not coming off as an expert on women, but I am saying, you know, I remember being in my 20s and having boyfriends be like, how many guys have you slept with? Right. Every girl has to answer that question at some point. As a grown woman, I'd be like, what are you talking about? You know, like, that's insane. But it's this, like, you're a gross woman if you've chosen to explore your sexuality in any capacity. You get slut-shamed. Oh, mm-hmm. she slept with more than one guy. Oh, you know, it's always dirty when girls do it. And I think it comes down to uh, a society not liking, and this is not all men by any means, not liking the idea that a woman would decide to choose what to do with her body. Um, and I think... For the women thing, I do think, you know, everybody's got their own way of being modest and their own values. It comes down to biological clocks. And if she's getting the attention, then I won't get it. Because women are taught to think, if she gets it, then not me. And we're not totally wrong, by the way, in this idea that there's not enough to go around. But there is, it's uh, it's animalistic in a way like if she mates with him I won't get to right but if you really think about it if you're really confident and you really believe that you have something special to offer uh-huh. when another girl gets that att- I have friends that are beautiful friends that are prettier than me and when we go out and men talk to them of course you want to be included in the conversation but it's never I'm never jealous because I'm like well I'm cute too and I can go talk to boys too that guy happened to choose you that doesn't mean every man forever won't choose me over you yes and I think that for young women, that's it's a it's a tough thing to learn, and you probably don't learn it till you're older. But it does come down to insecurity, and we all have them, of course. What percentage of guys? Because like I, I don't want to like virtue signal here, but I've always found 
confident women really attractive. One of yeah. the first things that attracted me to my wife was that she had like a really awesome job and she kicked ass and we'd be in the middle of a conversation. She'd be like, hold on. And this is, this. Sure. I'll date myself. Whip out the sidekick because the, 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 the text that she had just gotten was Ew, far. You live through the early 2000s? Gross. <laughs> it was I'm fun. so young. Was I have just, to go. She was just so sassy the way that she'd yeah. kick that side out, you know, but the, it, it was really appealing to me that we would be in the middle of lunch and she'd be like, look, I got to wrap this up. I got to get back. I got to go do this thing. And, and I, I know that not every guy feels that way, sure. but it's pretty apparently sexy to me to be with somebody who's got something going on. And in their that's life. the thing. And not painting with broad strokes, the man that I'm engaged to, he flies around with me. Not, I mean, he has his own career and everything, but loves that I do stand up, mm-hmm. loves coming to the gigs. Yeah. I did James Corden a couple weeks ago. He was like, it was so sexy watching you do that. And, and you took phone calls after. Like, he loves that. There are are men that like curly hair. There are men that like straight hair. There are men that like strong women. There are men that don't. I think the trick is whatever kind of woman you are, if you butt up against the wrong type of guy, the guy not for you, not allowing his expectations of you to change who you are. Yeah. Not allowing, I get told all that you know, you're defensive or you're too strong or you're too that. And it's like, well, that may not work for this employer, that comic, that guy, but fuck him. Yeah. Because, you know. And I think that's what I want women to take away from this is whatever you are is fine as long yeah. as you're not murdering people. Yeah, you got to be you. But you say that as if it's an easy concept to grasp, but it takes a lot of time. Yeah, 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 agreed. Longer and longer in our current society where people are, I mean, I, people don't become fully formed adults, even shitty ones, till they're like 35 years old. And even then. Maybe, maybe never. Maybe never. Why do women keep wearing shoes that are uncomfortable for them that make their feet uncomfortable into the next day when we all know that men don't even notice women's shoes? But it's not about the shoes. It's about the way it makes your body look. And men do notice. You might not know if it's a designer shoe versus like a Steve Madden shoe, but you notice that my butt is propped up. You notice that my legs look sexy. Uh, I think women tend to, when we feel sexy... And that all has to do with the male gaze or whatever makes you feel sexy. Everyone's got what makes them feel sexy. You know, and also fashion is pain. And we're very programmed to accept that as women. Hair extensions, getting the hair colored, waxing, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the actual product as the way it makes you feel. Okay. And also, I'm not wearing flats. I'm not a monster. See, that, well, that's, the, that's maybe. Flats with like an evening. I, that being said, I am wearing flats it, to my wedding. It so. would never, I would never even It's just a notice. funny, it's a funny inside girl joke. You wouldn't notice, here's the other thing, you wouldn't notice, but there's also, and this is like just a small fraction of a thought of this, there all is also you being faulted as a woman for not looking a certain way. Now again, go mm-hmm. forward with confidence, be yourself, but there is that when a man decides you're not acceptable looking, the fallout from that. You want to look your best. Also, in trying to attract someone, this is nature. Yeah. Guys like big tits, they like nice asses, they like legs, they like whatever, you know? And so all women try to conform to that. There are all different kinds of guys, but there are basic things. Men are attracted to skin. They like cleavage. We do. They like soft skin. They like, you know. Way better than the hard stuff. So there's, and so you can choose to follow it or not, but it's nature. Um, that being said, I, I rarely wear heels, but it does look good. Do you want to know one place, are, do you want to have kids? Yes. Do you want to know one place where sexism is really brutal and alive and well is the uh expectations people have for parents um men versus women fathers versus moms when they're yeah. solo parenting oh it is so true if i take my kid to a playground and like don't stare at my phone the entire time and banter with him a bit and push him on a swing 
I'm an amazing father. Right. If a woman does that, that's what. How could she? What the, well, well, what the fuck else would she be doing? Of course, a mom takes her kid to the playground. If I take my kid out out for a meal and I just make sure he says thank you when somebody brings him something, and I make sure he uses a, a napkin and doesn't eat with his fingers because he's a fucking mm-hmm. monster, I'm an amazing dad. Right. Because you showed up a little bit. Yeah. Exactly. Right. There's a massive, massive double. Standard I do there. think, and I talk about this in the book. Look, I don't have kids, which is why I'm even more reticent to ever come down on a woman because. You don't know how hard that is for her. Nope. You don't know what she's gone through, how she, what she had to go through to get that baby. Again, if you're not beating your kid in the street, the amount of opinions we're willing to hurl at other women, you're not doing it right, therefore. And it's like, you, there's a billion ways to raise a kid. And I think, I'm sure that's a very competitive thing. There's definitely a lot of comedies about it, like just moms that just need a break. But even like parenting in and of itself, single versus married, Parents, when my parents got divorced, I noticed a marked change in the way my mother was treated uh, by other women. And this is not all women. Of course. Got to qualify everything nowadays. There's not an all women. asterisk all over this thing. Oh, it's, the book is called Asterisk. <laughs> but I watched other women. I watched all of a sudden we weren't invited to people's houses oh, fuck. for holidays. My mother was pretty, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's an insecurity there. There's also, oh, they're not like us now. And there's, this is in the book. Is this a life-defining moment? No, but it was something as a child that I saw. We were at my brother's soccer game. My mother was standing on the on the bleachers, and she fell. She fell down the bleachers. They were wet, and she has a scar to this day all down her shin because that's how bad she cut herself. And she was sitting. She has no tolerance for pain. She was sitting there crying. No one came up to her. None of the other parents. None of the mothers. Eventually, one woman came up, and I remember that. I remember nobody. You know, when I as a kid, I was embarrassed that my mom was crying. Right, because you're of course. a kid. You see only things through the prism sure. of your own wants and needs. But my brother, who's younger than me, and is, he wa- he came up to her later that night, and he said, why didn't any of the dads help you? So it's just sort of like how a village tends to turn its back. I, I think it depends on what village you're from or who you're around or whatever. Right. But, and even, it, you know what? Maybe had she hurt herself the next day, it would have been different. But on that day, mm-hmm. I saw... No one helping. Yeah, well, you remember shit from when you're a kid because it, it it's almost like every single memory that sticks. You have so few are because you see them as being symbolic of more than just the instance in in and of itself. And you obviously or see you've that blocked out some bad one. Do you think? Are you that crazy? I don't. I see, doubt. is that crazy? Or is that self preservation to, to, to have repressed memories, suppressed memories, whatever you call them? It's not a form of mental health. Well, it can't be if you don't know you're doing it. Well, but you know that you can't actually suppress them for real, so they're just like they're they're like they're well, the. For- um, I don't know if you remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. There was the guy that with the big body, but he was actually just the little brain that was inside pulling the levers to make the body move. Crank, crank. Thank you very much. Get those turtles. Right, exactly. Now, careful, because some of your listeners are going to be like, "I've repressed memories, and you're calling me crazy, and I'm a mental health advocate." Yeah, I'm perfectly comfortable. I'm, yeah. that, that's fine. You guys are all fucking insane. You, you like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I'm not judging your insanity. I'm not putting that on you in a negative way. Sounds but, like you just said they're all fucking. I did say that they're insane, but it, that thing is, it's, 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 it's far more powerful lurking in the shadows than it would be for sure. Yeah. And I mean. If we want to talk about repressed memories and how they come out, you know. Fuck yeah, let's do it. No, I don't know. Oh. I don't. I don't think I have any. I, <laughs> okay. I don't. Mine aren't repressed as much as just. There's also this want to like sweep things under a rug and be like, I remember that happened, and then over time, it's not as bad, and then you kind of go back and you're like, maybe it was as bad, but you know, I definitely never want to come off as a victim, and I definitely never, and I talk about this in the book, want to paint anything like, oh my god, poor white privileged girl who had her college paid for. 
That being said, doesn't mean I didn't have shitty things happen. Of course, everybody's got problems. I hope everybody uh, understands that. Uh, one thing that I saw, I flipped ahead and I just randomly, you'll have to believe me, came to the page where you developed breasts as a teenager. Yeah. And there was a uh, just an, an anecdotal aside to that that I found really uh, thought-provoking about how you had to get granny bras because you were particularly developed but your friends all had the Victoria's Secret ones that would have like XO, yeah. XO or whatever and how weird it is that you put a 14, 15 year old girl in a bra like that. It is super weird. Right? Am I amazingly prude? I believe I am a prude person but is it a particularly prude a, a concern of mine that like I don't know why six year old girls need to wear like bikinis? Oh I think a bikini is different. How's that? You're in the sun. It's just a cute thing. I think we tend to blur the line between cute and sexual, mm-hmm. you know, but a bikini, it's just, you know, it's a wet material. You want the water on your skin. See, because I thought it was pretty rad when my 16-year-old girlfriend had a bra that said XOXO, you know. Right, well, that's kiss, a, that's kiss, a bra with kisses kiss. versus just a Target bikini for a kid. Right. I guess, I, I the, to me, the bikini strikes me, on a, a tiny little child, strikes me worse than sexualizing a teenager who's becoming sexual. Uh, I would definitely let my kid wear a bikini just because it's what's done and... yeah. You're hot. You're outside. Yeah. Uh, But we do, like, push sexuality. And, again, it's up to every parent how you want to do it. Because if you keep them away from it for too long, they might get weird. You know, like, oh, no boys and don't masturbate. You know, know, there's so many extremes to it. Mm -hmm. But I do remember, (laughs) and that's the thing. You want what your friends have. Yeah. And there was this, they all had cute, like, A cup, B cup boobs. And here I am with, like, huge tits, which society says you should have. And there was nothing, it was such a conflicting message because there was nothing for me to wear. So I'm supposed to have these giant breasts and what, just stay at home? And so I'm wearing this, like, mule harness <laughs> because they didn't make anything. Abercrombie didn't want to acknowledge that a girl could have large breasts and still be a tiny girl, you know? So yeah, it's like, oh, woe is me. But, you know, you feel shitty and you feel like, oh, I just feel bad about my body. It is a a tough line to walk between. I feel bad about it now. Between making kids feel no, nor should you about uh, being ashamed versus being maybe a little bit too open. My kid is going through the phase where he'll just kind of just like grab his dick through his pants just because yeah. he's just and we're like dick. do you have to pee or something he's mm-hmm. like nah you know he's not obsessive occasionally you'll see a kid who's like he's gonna be like, he's this, gonna do something bad to this someone. is indicative of, of this guy's personality yeah. traits he really cannot get his hand off of his dick but he does it and i heard this a long time ago and i think it's so super cool if your kid's just like starts jerking off in front of you whatever you just go you do that. Those are called your privates because you you can touch them privately. You can go to your room or you can go to the bathroom, but don't do that in front and of. Don't use our room. room, right? Exactly. And I told him that, and he spent so much time pondering the pros and cons of whether or not he should do that in his room. I thought you were saying he spent ba- so much time in the bathroom. <laughs> no, we'll give it a little bit of time on that. But he was really like, okay, all right. So let's do? see. Well, I am going to want to play with this thing. So my room is cool, but on the other hand, the bathroom's got the bath. So there's that. Right. It's tough. I mean, again, not a parent, so I'm definitely not giving advice on that or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's interesting the amount of sex that's out there. I mean, you could have an Instagram account as a kid, and like you can learn all about what a blowjob looks like from a porn star, which is not real. Um, but like, if you look at Victoria's Secret, like their branding, pink. That's their like subsidiary like thing, pink. Mm-hmm. What do you think they could be referring to? It's the inside of your vagina. It's pink, or your butthole, which is pink. I, I just assumed you. it was buttholes. Yeah, just <laughs> huge in the gay community. Uh, but it's like, so you've got these like 14-year-old girls with like shorts rolled down on their butt. It's like pink. Like the subtext of that is like, think about the inside of this snooch because it's pink. 
And right, it's, it's like juicy. And we don't think about it. Exactly. Juicy meaning you're fertile. Your juicy, juices are juicy flowing. Juicy was fucking vulgar. My mom hates it. because she's with your mom. Like, my mom's like, what do I see these women walking around the club? They're 60 years old and their asses say juicy? You're not juicy. No. But it's that request. It's that desire that women be ever fertile, ever young, ever mm-hmm. sexual. And once you hit a certain point where you're not, you become a laughing stock. People are laughing at you. There is a weird thing. I somebody pointed it out to me that, that in our culture, women are essentially expected to. You shouldn't once you're no longer fertile, shouldn't have hair lower than your shoulders. Uh, that's because it looks witchy, right? Yeah, because you're basically advertising fertility that you don't possess. Absolutely, shiny hair. I mean, obviously, do what you want. Shiny yeah. hair. This emphasis on like Pantene gives you shiny hair. Shiny hair means there's vitamins, there's oils. You're Things are flowing. When you're pregnant, you can like you, your hair grows. You know, it's the idea that you are that. Yeah. Everything that we do that's a sexual message has the subtext of sexuality. When you put lipstick on, it's saying there's blood rushing to my lips because I'm turned on. My lips also look like a vagina, and there's blood rushing to that because I'm horny. Right. Flushed cheeks, things like that. So, and then I talk about this to an extent in the book. So it's not so much about the subtext of these messages as much as you just being aware that like these are the messages. And uh, I don't know if we cannot expect this in our society. I don't ever want to fault men for being sexual. Like, this is what they like biologically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the issue is when women are faulted for not being that perfect image. Yeah, I think that there are some 60-year-old ladies who just don't want that crepey skin. Regardless Absolutely. Of, you know, well, what I find it is, it's not desirable. Nobody wants yeah, it. Yeah, nobody wants to be and crepey. A, but, but you're so punished for it. Mm. And everybody knows the thing. When men get old, it's you know austere and they're... They're sexy, and when women get older, you know, you're, you're basically society turns on you. Um, and I always find it fascinating. I thought about this recently, but I always found it fascinating. Men tell you to smile, right? Because I, I keep hearing right, this. it's creepy. It's a creepy dude, shitty pickup line. Okay, is that where that comes from? Because I've never, yeah, I've no never one, been around a guy who told a girl to smile. No, you probably keep good company, but it's definitely a stu- It's definitely a thing that a moron does. It's not <laughs> no one that I respect would ever do that. But hey, smile. Well, what does smiling cause? Wrinkles. So if you if you do what he says and mm-hmm. you smile, smiling mm-hmm. causes wrinkles, and yep. then people won't like you because you're wrinkled. He's just using up all your good smiles. But it's the idea that as a woman, you're so faulted for anything that you do or don't do, so the only thing you can do is carve out your own slice of happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all anybody can really do. Hey, completely different subject. I wanted to ask you, I was flipping through um, your, your podcast, uh, Truth and Eliza, which I enjoyed, and I, I, I pulled up the Joe Rogan episode not realizing it was like the first episode it just yeah. was, podcast it, is no longer on by the way i think not? the episodes just live online i don't oh, no know shit. i don't you, know who gave you, you that intro <laughs> no i haven't done it in a while oh really yeah but we're thinking about bringing it back but it's those are well but didn't you, talk to, didn't you talk to mark maron about it not that long ago i was on his podcast yeah but weren't you talking you talked about your podcast that's how i found out you had a podcast i was on his a while ago though at was least that, a year that, ago i think oh god has it been that long but, but, but whatever uh, well, two things that I wanted to ask you, because one thing you said to Marin was that you started doing that because you wanted to... Uh, Work on my hosting skills. Yeah, exactly. Do Like, what do you make of the fact that, you know, I mean, it's a hack question, but really that all of the late night talk shows are still hosted by dudes? Well, Sam B is a woman. Yes, she is, but she, she's she's not in one of the pole position shows. Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I just came from a network where I was pitching a late night show, and mm-hmm. I had a run. We did a limited run of... Uh, of my own late night show, Truth and Eliza. Mm-hmm. We had six episodes. Uh, what do I make of it? I, I think it's disgusting, and I think that people love to talk about how much they want women and women talking, comedy, women this, but pulling the trigger is a very different thing. And when one woman fails, it's, see? Girls can't do it. And when she succeeds, it's like, okay, great. So it is an uphill battle. 
I've never been a fan of, you know, you get a lot of women that's like, it's so hard being a woman, which it is, and it sucks at times. However, I get a lot of at-bats. I talk about this in the book. Your talent will get you chances. You may not be able to push it over the hill every single time, but when I go up on a lineup and I'm the only girl, you have two choices. You can eat shit and have the audience leave thinking like, see, women aren't funny, because they, they will decide that because you are representing the minority, or you can smash it and have them leave thinking like, she crushed, she was the best one. It cannot be a crutch and a stepping stone. This is just for stand-up in particular, but I do think not having a woman in late night or more than one or anything like that I think it's sad and I, I think it's crazy that people don't acknowledge that nobody's out there speaking intelligently to women and I would love to do that. And it's really hard to get people to change their draconian ways. Yeah, I assumed Chelsea Handler was going to get the tap. She just seemed like she seemed like the natural whatever anybody might think of the quality of her programming, she'd certainly, you know, she she'd had a successful minor league show. Seemed like she would have been a really natural. I'd say it was more than successful. Yeah. And um, not exactly minor league, but you know what I mean? A safe bet to get one of those late show to night show. It's, I don't want to put everybody in a category, you know, but the people making a lot of decisions are old white men who mm-hmm. like white dudes. That being said, I was on James Corden quite recently. He's mm-hmm. lovely. I'm on Jimmy Fallon. Yep. This is all doing stand up, by the way. These are good dudes. Yep. Um, so I would never, I would never bite a hand that feeds me. But I do think no, you're not shitting on Jimmy Fallon. No, TV is evolving. I was I actually using TV, television, the way we consume it, and the programming is evolving at such a fast rate. Mm-hmm. I don't know why late night isn't evolving as well. People Agreed. want it. I agree. No, that's and that's the thing. I, I I naively believe in the invisible hand and the market correcting itself. And I just I, I like if if. It, it, Chelsea Handler is actually a pretty good example of if the market, the market clear, there was a market for women to watch a woman doing an evening talk show. And if it the, was all pop culture. And, but if the evening, if, if the networks weren't going to exploit it, then there are enough seats at the table now that somebody else could and did. Right. Which and should have proved all the point that needed to be proven. No, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think, and this is nothing against her or for her. It was wildly successful on mm-hmm. E. Yep. And it wasn't successful on Netflix for whatever reason, but those are the numbers. It was successful on one network, not the other. I don't think any of those people, if Conan had gone to Netflix, he would have disappeared as well. I Conan, believe. but that show isn't doing great in the numbers either. I know. I know. So I'm just saying you can't predict it one way or the other. But also we have to stop correlating one woman's success with, I think people are like, oh, that didn't work, therefore we don't want a girl. It's like, or we're all different humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think men definitely get chances, chance upon chance. We'll give them a show, we'll give them a show. I mean, yeah. Look at Will Arnett. How many fucking TV shows does he have? Has he ever had a hit? <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of women sitcom actresses that get plenty of chances. But Will part- Arnett is like featured in shows. Like, I'm a fan of Will Arnett. How many fucking terrible shows has he starred in now? <laughs> it's like half a dozen. I think part of that is being a recognizable name mm-hmm. and brand, and people are comfortable with that. We're comfortable with songs that we know, shows that we already know. Yeah. You know, movies get made with horrible actors because they're famous. Gerard Butler. Continue. You got, you got a things. hit list, huh? <laughs> Just I calls them like I sees them, Eliza. I can respect that. Um, but the thing I wanted to ask you about the Rogan um, episode of your podcast is you guys were talking about the Johnny Come Latelys to stand up, the people who haven't paid their dues, the people who are, and I know this is a conversation you had three years ago, you probably don't recall, people who are sitcom actors who just throw together an, an act and sure. go out there and, and eat a dick. And I can understand why the comedy community, and you're certainly not alone, um, in casting some shade their way, why you guys would be down on that. You've paid your dues. Other people haven't. But 
I've always found that curious as someone who has recently been dabbling in stand-up myself. I hosted a show that you came on and you ran your five minutes for the Tonight Show, and I don't expect you to remember me, but if you may well have been judging my hosting to be subpar. Where was it? Uh, improv. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's... I probably don't remember. I mean, no, no, no. But but yeah, yeah. if you had any thought whatsoever about what I was doing, it probably wasn't. Man, who the fuck is this kid? He's setting this this town on fire, you know? Because <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm doing yet. I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty terrible at that. And I just always found it funny that comedians feel have always felt that way about Johnny Come Lately's to comedy, but then you all went and got podcasts, mm-hmm. which is doing the exact same thing to radio people that we're trying to do to comedy. So I do think it's an issue that. Uh, so many comics are getting podcasts. You know, the, people saw an opening in the market and they went for it. The good news is cream rises at the top. Of course. Uh, I happen to think Joe's great at that. Yeah. And that's why he's got the most successful podcast or one of them. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of comics who, by the way, don't work on listening skills. You're very good at hosting. You let me talk. You yes and and you're listening. You're not like flipping through your phone. Thank you. There are plenty of comics who think, I'm funny on stage, This for, therefore it will translate. And they're terrible. And because of that, nobody listens. You know, so say you all went and got podcasts. It was an it was an extension of the stand up. Um, I do think stand up translates easier to a podcast than the other way around because you're still just kind of giving your funny thoughts and you're a funny person, uh, and having stand up requires an act. So, but I do think it's. I mean, I walked out. I was with a buddy of mine, um, Chris Porter, and he was like, "Come do my friend." This was years ago. Was, Come to my friend's podcast, and I was like, "I don't really." He's like, "Come on, dude. It's going to be great." We get there to the dude's apartment. This was like six years ago, five years ago. Dude opens the door. First thing out of his mouth, he goes, I didn't really prepare anything. I hate that. Which is like, don't say that up front. At least try to pretend. We get there. Every time I talked, he kind of like talked over me. And I got so annoyed. I was like, fuck this. I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. And I walked out. Mm -hmm. I was like, if you're not even going to take your own show seriously, um, then how can I? And fuck you. And I don't know where that person is now. Uh, So yeah, there's definitely a lot of comics that do that. Um say podcast dues i don't think you know they're not that it's not that old of an art form no there's no dues to the be market paid. dictates it too like if you're popular by the way if you're a huge celebrity and you start a podcast the celebrity carries over you might actually be a terrible host but if you're famous yeah people want more of that right 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 well the the you know the the rich get richer is also show business ain't fair no exactly nobody said that it would and and to bring things full circle you know, frankly, that's something that I'm up against as as a man. I know that there are people who... A white man. Uh, well, but as any man, that there are... I can put the funniest fucking picture with the funniest fucking caption on Instagram and some chick's butt is going to fucking bury me. Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> so it does... There is a weird... You know, I mean, all things being equal, I'll take being, a, you know, an educated sure. white White coastal male in yeah. America, you know, with a college degree. But that's kind of what we're up against. And it's, as I'm sure you know, there are, and I don't think you're guilty of this. I don't, I don't follow you that, that closely. But there are women who will play the female comics are oppressed card and then really like sex up their social media and even their act and stuff. And it's like, well, which way do you, which well, way do you Well, I don't want? know about that. See, that's the thing. I don't think you have to choose. And uh, here's a great example. My first Netflix special was called War Paint and mm-hmm. the cover of it, I am naked. Yeah. My hair is covering my breasts, mm-hmm. and I'm naked. And I did it for two reasons. I did it because I was, I'm was i proud of my body, and that's the body that I love, and I've never you know had an issue with that. But I also did it because I knew my material from years of stand-up was fucking good enough that you might scroll past me because, like, oh, it's a girl. 
So I was preying on those people that were like, oh, what the fuck is this? I wanted to lure you in with that to get you cut because I knew you'd stay for the comedy because I knew I was good. Well, I could keep talking to you, but unfortunately I am out of time. So no, I'm leaving first. <laughs> make a run for it. Um, this has really been great, and um, congratulations sincerely on the book. Thank I hope you. it does very, very well for you. It's called um, Girl Logic. It is called Girl Logic. You are Eliza Schlesinger, and you are at Eliza on all applicable social media, and you got Eliza.com lockdown. I got it. 